You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a hot topic for you today. It's rather long. You can read this if you want. I'm going to jump right into it. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Here's the question that I want to put before you. Should pastors have the skill set to do biblical counseling. Now, let me qualify this. I'm talking about an ability to care for all people in any situation, no matter the degree of difficulty. So here's the question. Should pastors have the skill set to do biblical counseling? All comers, doesn't matter what the problem is. Though everyone can disciple, and pastors should be able to do it better than the average the average Christian, the question is, should they have the gifting to do biblical counseling regardless of the situation or the issue? That is the setup. This is episode 235. Let me give you the title if you want to find it on our website. I mean, it is episode 235. It's in our Life Over Coffee listing. But the title of this podcast, the show notes, Will you stop expecting pastors to be biblical counselors? Expecting a pastor to be a biblical counselor at the level that I'm addressing here, honestly, it shows a lack of awareness in the person from the person who is expecting it. And if you press too much, the expectation could be uncharitable. I have heard Christians, usually these are hurting ones, And I'm not dissing on the hurting ones, but this is a reality. This is one of the hard places that we have to address in our Christian experience because it is a thing. And so I'm not making light of the hurting ones or any any difficulty that anyone has gone through. I have gone through enough of or quite a bit of difficulty. As many of you know, and I have had not just seasons and years, I'm talking decades, of painful experiences, and so I'm not I'm not pointing to that, but I have heard these hurting Christians use the words like clueless, oblivious, they have no understanding, and they place these unfair and unrealistic descriptors over pastors. Oftentimes, they are making sweeping characterizations that blanket all pastors, like they, it's just pastors are this way. Now, the question is, are there some clueless and oblivious pastors? Well, of course there are. We all know that. There are those folks in every profession, doctors, car salesmen, homeschoolers, homeschool moms. I mean, it, it doesn't, engineers, it doesn't matter what the profession is. And so my remarks here are, I don't want to be as broad or general the other way. I am not saying all pastors are awesome. Everybody's awesome. There are a minority of pastors who aren't good at pastoring. All right, let's move forward. That's not the problem that I'm addressing in this episode. The key idea in this podcast is when you blend two highly skilled professions into one, you're making a mistake in judgment. And it will lead to uncharitable judgments and even anger if you're hurting and not receiving the help the way that you want it. 
There is a role that pastors should play in the lives of their congregants, but it is a partial responsibility, not an omnicompetent responsibility. There are two general categories of people with problems, hurting people. There is that massive group of what I call, I'll call for in this podcast, the run-of-the-mill issues which has degrees of difficulty, their stratification even within that, but all of them can fit in one big bucket that is less intense, less time-consuming, and less complicated. And then you have another type of hurting person. These are the acute, long-standing, deep-seated issues that require a trained, here it is, professional Now, I'm using the word professional here to imply a person who is competent and counseling at counseling with God's word, not a secular therapist who does not hold to the sufficiency of Scripture worldview. And so when I use the word professional, I'm talking about a person who is competent at counseling with God's word. Once a person hits a specific level of intensity and complicatedness, it's unreasonable to expect a pastor to know how to navigate through those waters. What happens too often is when hurting and frustrated believers criticize their pastors, they do so by comparing them to a oftentimes a a secular therapist or a secular psychologist who is trained as a therapist or is a trained author or a trained person who has written a book, and what they're doing is they're comparing apples to oranges. They are comparing their pastor to a person who has spent dedicated years, the therapist, the, the author, This person has spent dedicated years, if not decades, studying the topic in which they are the supposed authority. And then the plaintiff maps their this professional person over their pastor, and they may even demand that their pastor have the same skill level. I dare say that 98% of the pastors in the world would not have that skill level, nor should they. Being a pastor and being a biblical counselor on a highly trained and gifted level are two different things. Those two professional positions are two professions that require different personality types, diverse gift mixes, and years dedicated to training in the unique disciplines. One is biblical counseling and the other is being a pastor. No pastor who receives a theological undergrad or postgrad work gets the necessary training to be a biblical counselor at a high level, nor should he. He receives training to be a pastor, not a high-end biblical counselor who can take on all comers. Typically, these pastors in training, in residence work, as a pastor, they will receive a pastoral counseling class, which in many cases is is an integrated mix of theories that, that you hope they won't remember. 
But taking a semester of counseling, even a good semester, a good counseling course, is a far cry from spending four years in an undergrad counseling program or two years in a master's level discipline. Let me give you a cultural analogy to being a pastor. It's the CEO. He's a person who has the training to run an organization. In my analogy here, I'm, I'm talking about a local church, the pastor running a local church. Nobody expects the CEO of the organization to have the ability or the training to know all there is to know about each area of the organization that needs an expert. That's why he will hire a CFO and a COO and other key people who have spent a comparable amount of time learning their specific discipline. Expecting a pastor to know how to build out Excel spreadsheets with the intricate formulas is unreasonable. You hire within or farm out that job to a top-notch administrator or a financial guru who has received the necessary training to perform those skills. It's the pastors who try to wear all the hats that do not do well. Now, I realize that some pastors have no choice because of finances or because of the size of the church, and, and they have to wear every, every blooming hat that, that the church requires or expects. It would be like expecting me to be an expert in every aspect of our ministry. What are we talking about here? I would have to be an expert in administration, fundraising, marketing, tax law, finances, business management, web development, marketing, podcast or video production, and so much more. Question, should I have the ability to operate at that level in disciplines that are so dissimilar? Or should I have the skill and training to do, let's say, two things that fit my job description? Those two things are content creation and and leadership development. Those are the two things that fit who I am as a person. But administration, fundraising, marketing, tax law, finances, business management, web development, marketing, uh, marketing, marketing, podcast and video production, and so much more. I can't wear all those hats and wear them well. Pastors have a similar tension and responsibility as me. They are supposed to have the gifting for teaching God's Word, which is the one thing in Paul's description to Timothy that makes him different from everyone else. He gives 15 qualities in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. All of the other qualities are character-related, which applies to every Christian, but only teaching. Teaching is the unique gift that a pastor has to have, in addition to the other 14 character qualities. And you must not think that the proclamation of the Word is the same as biblical counseling. Those are two diverse disciplines. The biblical counselor may never take a homiletics class, for example, which is uh, the skill of preaching. So, So the proclamation of the Word and learning to be a pastor and learning to administrate the Word and to be able to administrate a local church and then being a, a, a job-specific biblical counselor, those are two diverse disciplines. 
Every pastor should be like every Christian in that they can do basic discipleship. I mean, indeed, pastors should be able to do it better than the average believer because of all the training in the Bible that he has received. But when you take it up a level, which is what I'm addressing in this podcast, when you take it to high-end, formalized counseling, you're expecting too much. You're asking him to be the CEO and the CFO all wrapped into one. When it comes to more challenging counseling cases, he has two options. He can raise up someone from within, assuming there is someone within, or find someone from the outside. For example, my church hired me part-time in 1997 to learn how to do counseling. I was a rookie. I was green. I was an amateur. I was a novice. I didn't have all the training that I needed, and I definitely did not have the experience. I didn't have my reps in. And so they paid for my MABC starting in 1997, 1998 maybe. The pastors at that time had enough sense and maturity to know that they could not dedicate the necessary time to learn another profession, a job-specific skill set. Now, this church was approximately 750 people at the time, which afforded them the latitude to hire a leader, and I was their candidate. I don't head that counseling ministry any longer, even though I do attend that church. I have my own thing now. But for about six years, I did lead that counseling ministry. But most churches do not have that kind of leader to promote within. Smaller church pastors pray that they can find a biblical person in the community, or maybe online, which they do have that option now, who has the skill set to help them counsel their folks with complicated issues. And even if they had a qualified church member, they don't typically don't have the funds to pay him to quit his regular job and dedicate himself in the way that a counseling role demands. This church problem brings me back around to why it's not useful or charitable to say that pastors are clueless or oblivious, which are some of the things that I I have heard And when you say that about pastors who can't do intense counseling situations with an individual or a couple, I mentioned earlier that when Christians complain about their pastors who can't counsel at that level, they often compare them to professional folks who have have dedicated the years to their craft. There are only a few of my students in our mastermind program, our all-online training program, who can counsel at the required level that some counseling sessions or situations require. Did you, did you hear that? They are in the training program, but just being in the training program, going through our training does not qualify you as an expert or a highly skilled counselor after you finish. And I don't place that burden on any of them to perform at that level. It's a rare gift to be able to work at that degree of difficulty. And it's because of this need in the church that I do what I do. I could theoretically train a 1,000 students in our mastermind program and only find two, maybe five out of a 1,000 
I think 10 would be remarkable. But maybe find two or five out of a thousand who have the skill set to counsel at the level that I'm addressing here. This reality is why the idea of a certified biblical counselor, which is as is, is common as is, is as common as candy. I mean, everybody has a certification now. It's this reality that I'm describing here is why it connotes a wrong thing. There is only a minority of certified counselors, I put that in quotation marks, who have the ability to counsel at this level. It's not just a pastoral problem, but those who have the certificates on their walls, there's only a few of them who can counsel at this level. We have had pastors in our Mastermind program, and we currently have one. Now, I will say, I'm talking about pastors, and I've never thought of them. I've never thought of this, per, the one that's in our program now, I'll call him out. I have never considered him clueless. I have never considered him having a lack of understanding. I have never considered him being oblivious, which are some of the descriptors that some believers make in such a broad, sweeping way over pastors. Our student, the one that's in our program, is an associate pastor, and he has spent many years learning how to study and teach the Bible, plus all the other requirements for operating a local church, which is quite extensive. I did pastor for five years, and oh my word, it it is a seemingly endless endless task-oriented job. But in addition to our student, who is a pastor, learning how to administrate a church by putting himself through that kind of education, he's now going through more training to learn biblical counseling in our program. That is a sign of amazing grace. But it's more than that. He has a demanding family. He has children with physical disabilities. His schedule is brutal. The demands of the church never cease. Some of his children will always need his care. He will never be an empty nester. Now, is he clueless? Does he lack understanding? Am I reasonable to label him as such? No. I take my hat off to him. That he's adding another responsibility like learning how to do biblical counseling to his life. But even that, I would not expect him to do high-level counseling for his local church. I mean, if he did, it would depend on a couple of things. One, if he has the type of gifting, which is yet to be determined. I mean, does he have the gifting that I'm talking about here to take on all comers? We, We will see. But number two, his church would have to move him from being an associate pastor to exclusively working as the counseling-slash-training pastor. If you have not discerned already, let me say it here to be precise. The person who does counseling for the acute, intense situations has spent years learning how to do it. They also have the time to invest in what it takes to care for souls at that level. This type of job is not a part-time job. In this instance, it would be correct to think of this person as a professional, since I have, I've used CEO, and I, 
I've, I use professional already in this podcast, which will be be fun for the the anal Christians who really just wig out when we use secular lang- secular language within within Christianity. Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about the ten thousand hour rule which is the amount of time to become proficient at a craft. And though the time frame is arbitrary, the perspective is not. And what he means by that, what he teaches in in the book that I'm referring to, it's linked here if you want to to read it. You can click on it and go to Amazon and get it. But what he's talking about here, and I said it earlier about getting my reps in when I said I was green, rookie, novice, and didn't know how to counsel, I didn't have my reps in. My my, repeti- my repetitions, in order to become good at counseling, assuming that you have the gifting to do it, one, you have to have the training, of course, and then two, you just have to do it over and over and over again, and that's not unlike any other profession. If you want to be a weightlifter, a distance runner, if you want to be a typist, it doesn't matter. You have to get your reputa- repetitions in. Gladwell just talks about 10,000 hours. Now, you could flip this around by saying that if you expected the biblical counselor at the local church to perform the other roles of a pastor, it would be unreasonable to pull him out of the counseling-slash-training office and have him do 15 other tasks or three other tasks. It would diminish his response—it would diminish his capacity and, and diminish his performance in the area of biblical counseling— And so expecting a pastor to be a biblical counselor or a biblical counselor to be a pastor, that's unreasonable. Now, I'm not talking about the pastor of biblical counseling, but but to blend those two jobs, that's not reasonable. If the biblical counselor is going to care for souls well and equip others to do the same, you got to leave him alone. You got to let him bury himself in his craft and his profession, and don't saddle him with all the other roles of a pastor. It's the pastor who has to be all the professionals. It's that person who has to labor under a severe burden. Now, I realize there are authoritarian pastors who won't delegate delegate from within, and they won't find competent people without, outside the local church. That's another issue, and there is a problem with authoritarian, authoritative pastors. Their people end up leaving because they can't get the help that they, that they need. It's, it's not that there's a difference between authoritarian pastor and, and the person who, who can't find you the help that you need, but really wants to, has a desire to. He is a delegator. The pastor who longs for that person to come alongside him, he needs our prayers, not our critiques. But I do understand the tension that church members have when their problems rise to the level of the acute and they can't find the help they need. But my point in this podcast is that you don't want to shackle a pastor with the responsibility of being the expert for you and then complaining about him when he fails. That's not the right solution to the problem. You will not only not receive the help you need, but you will shoot yourself in the foot by alienating yourself from pastoral care. Now, that type of attitude toward any pastor, 
or that type of attitude toward any church. We call that a complicating problem in counseling. And what that means is you have an intense personal or relational issue, whatever the reason is that you came to counseling or came to get help, and then you sinfully react because your church does not come through for you, that complicates. That's a complicating problem. It piles on to your existing problem. Now, the truth, the truth here that I'm addressing is that there are no easy answers. And I know that there are many people listening to this podcast who probably have already pulled their hair out. It's like, what do you want me to do? My church can't help me. My pastor won't help me. I got this intense problem that won't go away. I understand. I really do. But we have to address every angle of this. And what I hope that would happen out of this podcast is that that it will remove one issue off the table, a wrong attitude toward the church and pastor, if it's truly a wrong attitude. There There are no easy answers here. But you can't demand one, or you can't manipulate one out of thin air just because you are are hurting. Once you step across the aisle and see the issue from the pastor's perspective, you realize that you you don't have all the answers. And when you realize you don't have all the answers, your heart begins to grow in humility and gratitude. As you labor under your burden, together with your pastor and your church. Of course, you still have your problem. And your church may not have a skilled position player or the person in the community to help you. So where do you go? Here's, here's a few ideas that I'll lay out for you. By, by the way, as a sake of illustration, um, I, I was here. I was a part of a 1300 uh, or maybe 15, I was, I was a part of a large church in 1988, and when my marriage flipped upside down and my family was destroyed, I had no help. I had to figure it out alone, which explains my passion to want to help you and, and want to help local churches. But where do you go? Perhaps your pastor does not understand the intricacies of your issue. Don't be surprised. Don't be disappointed and don't be uncharitable. Your first call to action is to pray for him, not criticize him. Pastors live under the hectic burden of caring for all aspects of their local churches, which does include the discipleship needs. What if you pulled alongside him? What if you become part of the solution? You can do this in several ways. In addition to what I've just mentioned about actively praying for him, and the other leaders. Perhaps you can, perhaps you have to find that trained person in your community. This need is one of the reasons folks come to our ministry, because local churches just do not have the ability to counsel at the level that I am describing here. And so folks come to us. I'm not throwing shade on the church or the pastor. I don't throw shade on the church because a church member comes to us. I had rather help the person who comes, which is our way of coming alongside that local church. We're not the only solution, but we can help in a in a small way. We also have a list of potential counselors on our website that maybe that would be an asset for you. You can also become a joy to your pastor. You remember what the 
The Hebrew writer said in 1317, let them pastor you with joy, not with groaning. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can do this, let them pastor you with joy. You could ask him, you could ask your pastor or whoever is the leader over you if you are a joy to pastor. I double dog dare you to ask the question, are you? Part of a church member's job is to be a joy for the shepherd to bring care to. Rather than when the pastor thinks of you, he he groans. Perhaps you could give advice, assuming you have the expertise enough to do so. I'm not talking about you having gone through an experience, by the way. And this is a critical point, and I'm not going to be able to finish all of the show notes here, and you can read it because it is quite lengthy, but I do want to make this point. Some Christians equate experience with qualification. They fall into the they-don't-understand-me trap. You'll hear them say, They have not walked in my shoes, so they can't understand. They equate understanding with qualification. Having an understanding of specific misery and being able to walk you through it are not necessarily the same things. Having understanding is an empathetic person who jumps into the quicksand with you. Having competency to counsel is a sympathetic person who holds onto a limb and helps you out. You can read more about this. I have an article that's actually dedicated to what I'm sharing with you right now. Don't think your experience makes you a qualified person to help people. A lot of folks come to us because they have gone through something, but few of them have the gifting to do formalized biblical counseling. There is much more. Uh, there's a little bit more here, and I'd love for you to read it if you wish. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.